It's about, yes, growing great leaders, but how do we together work to change what we think of as lead, great leadership? How do we change the norms? How do we show up? How do we model, reward, celebrate leaders in a much more rich, diverse perspective than we do today? That's, that's the work that's ahead of us and that we're doing right now. So, yeah, you wanna, do you want to do the intro this time? You can start it off. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Let's, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> all right. I'll start. Hey, JC, how's it going, man? Good, JP. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm like, super ecstatic about um, our guest that we're going to be speaking with. Obviously, we've known her for a long time. Um, obviously, a Nike alumni a veteran for 15 years, plus, you know, being vice president of, you know, the women's business to her roles, many roles at Nike, um, being able to really understand the importance of our consumers, building structure within culture of team, um, and now being a lead for her own entrepreneurial spirit, leading the, the Liberty Collective. Um, but, you know, Carrie Hoyt Pack is someone I'm really excited uh, to speak to and, and learn more about what she's doing now. And um, yeah, I'm excited, man. Yeah, me too. I think that when we first started talking about the Raise No Finish Line podcast uh, and who we would want to have as some of our first guests, Carrie was the one that both came to mind for the two of us because um, she is, again, just such an amazing person and a mentor to both of us and she's just she's just really an awesome person <laughs> yeah so, i think she gets it you know yeah. what i mean she's just she gets it and um you know when when our f followers listen to the conversation they'll understand who she is and what she's really doing to help um the community the kind of business realm of the world for brands um but again super powerful so i can't wait for others to listen Hi, Kay. How's this sounding? I, I. No, it's fine. I mean, you sound really clear to me, so okay. it works. You know, I, I'm always like scared of tech, as Jesse knows, but this is great. Yeah, it's just a, it's a click and 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 a conversation. That's yeah. all it is. I love it. And <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if we were going to be audio and video, so I, I will tell you, I look great from the waist up today, but it's okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's just audio. Okay. <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I, I, feel, yeah. I feel like I haven't, um, I just look like I, I always wake up out of bed. These days. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can. I know. Well, we do have a thing though. You, sh you should know at the Liberty Collective where uh, all of us, you know, there's three of us now. My sisters have joined me and uh, we come dressed for work. doesn't matter, right? Like, because we're just like, this is, we got to just be on and it's been, it's been really good because it is hard to get focused sometimes when you're in your sweatpants. <laughs> I think it would be awesome if you could just maybe kind of take us through your journey a little bit. We don't have to go way, way back, but I think it's always exciting and fun to just kind of hear around how people started um, mm -hmm. with their collegiate experience. And I would love to just kind of hear about like, why you chose where you went to school and and sure, you know, and then kind good. of go from there. I go way back. Yeah, I uh, graduated uh, in 1990 from the University of Washington, and uh, I had a communications degree. I knew I wanted to work in advertising, and I thought at the time, right before I graduated, I wanted to be a copywriter. And I took some more. Um, say senior level classes that involved experts in the in the industry that we're teaching and I realized what a craft writing is <laughs> and um, I was good at it but I was at that magic touch that it takes to really break through in communications I realized what an art that was and so I redirected my my focus and um, started in something that I felt like I could get you know, strategy and more of a foundation, foundational start. And frankly, it was easier to get into the business. And that was in media planning and strategy. So I started in 1990. I moved to San Francisco uh, with 
I don't know, 200 bucks in my pocket or something and a, and a couch to sleep on and with the hope of getting a, a job in, in the agency world in San Francisco. And I did. I started at Foot Cone and Building, a uh, big agency at the time in the Bay Area, uh, right in the heart of San Francisco. And, and my first uh, client that I worked on was Levi's. So that became, um, and Nintendo actually, and that became the start of my youth brand focus that I've, I was lucky to have um, my whole career. So uh, I learned the craft of, started learning about storytelling in relation to really thinking about people and, and context. And that was in the form of media placement strategy, buying um, and really planning. And so that, that strategic piece of it uh, and that I wouldn't trade for anything because I really learned in those days, we took a lot of time to write white papers and, you know, these are the days that we still had a typing pool, if you can believe that. So email, email was coming in, you know, um, it was it was a very different day. But what we learned, I think, was discipline and really thinking through um, how to make good decisions and invest um, in the right places to create impact, not just in terms of scale, but also in terms of quality. And that, again, was based on the clients I was lucky to work on, Nintendo and Levi's. Um, so yeah, that's how I started. And then, uh, I, you know, it seemed like a long time in those days when you're in your early twenties, but, um, then I ended up moving to Sam or to, sorry, to Portland to start, um, my journey on Nike working at Wyden and Kennedy, um, a few years later, I had, I had some other experiences at smaller agencies and, and freelancing, but then landed at Wyden and Kennedy in what became the start of really an incredible, um, I would say life growth, you know, story for me related to to Nike and and started as an, uh, a media planner on the women's business at the time, doing magazine planning and buying. So a very different time when a whole job was related to one category. And so that's when I started on on Nike, and um, I can tell you more about what happened from there. But that's that's how I got my start. So just out of curiosity with like Wyden's presence within the advertising world at the time, because obviously, you know, you, you were working at some big agencies prior to that. I mean, and Wyden had started with Nike pretty early on in, in Nike's development with right. advertising. But I mean, they were probably one of the heaviest hitters mm -hmm. at that oh, time. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, I, I was born and raised in the Northwest. So there was that geographic pull to come back north um, from SoCal but or um, Central California. But when I was, it really was much more about if I want to understand the craft of this work, I need to go to where the best is. And that was at Wyden at the time. And I can continue to think so. Um, just incredible uh, organization of individuals um, pulled together by a spirit, a shared spirit from, from David Kennedy and Dan Wyden. And, you know, again, that continues to today. And so no wonder that there was that shared ethos with uh, the brand of Nike, right? It, they, that same sort of like individualistic coupled with strong, strong beating heart of culture. Uh, and so there was that pull for me for sure. Um, and I was really lucky to be able to find a home there. Um, and it was, it, it truly is where I, I mean, Section. I, had, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, I mean, I had, I'm glad I did it in that order. I know a lot of people have started at Wyden and I think, you know, cutting my teeth on, you know, not only Levi's and Nintendo, but brands like Clorox, you know, like you learn about the fundamentals and I did. Um, and so I learned how to think strategically. I learned how to be analytical in what I was doing. I learned a lot about relationships and how to, how to manage myself and other people and clients and, um, and then making that jump then into a, an agency like Widen, which was much more free spirit and, you know, sort of sit on the floor and stare at the ceiling and figure it out together. Um, it was not only fun, but it was the right time for me to make a jump like that. It was, it was an incredible experience. And, and would you say that with that kind of jump to widen and then jumping into Nike, that kind of like was that next step for you to be able to kind of lead the women's women's brand and, and develop, you know, um, consumer experiences and understanding the consumer and kind of just building a structure, obviously within your own team. Um, I mean, was it a pretty, like, like yeah. you know, at Widen, was it an easy right. transition or was it a transition of like kind of learn as you go? Well, it's a good question, John. I Ultimately, though, it came down to a detour, which became 
a seven-year um, separate part of my journey. So I was at I was at Nike, and I'm sorry, I was at Widen and Kennedy, and uh, it was you know earlier, early mid '90s, let's say. And uh, I at the time just felt like I needed to make a change, and I, it makes me laugh now because I, I think at the time I was like, I'm burnt out. And I'm like, oh god, I'm in my 20s. I I knew nothing about like being burned out or time or or pressure, but I what I wanted to make a change. And so I ended up moving to Alaska and I lived in Southeast Alaska for seven years. Um, and it was a, an amazing experience to become, first of all, an independent consultant to, cause I was the breadwinner at the time. I started a family, my kids were both born there. Um, and I ran a wilderness lodge, a kayaking lodge in the summer. So I, it was a, a big step into entrepreneurship that I didn't even realize now I look back, I was doing, but I continued in my career and did it as an independent consultant and lived through and led through uh, one of the biggest transitions in our industry, which was, you know, the rise of digital. And so um, I have, you know, it was that big dot-com bubble and then bust um, so I not only continued my work with Wyden and Kennedy and Nike coming back usually once a year, twice a year in the planning season, I'd go back and forth flying on a little float plane between Southeast Alaska and Portland. But I also had other clients like stamps.com and flowerbed.com. It was the beginning, you know, and um, so I lived through all of that in a really interesting way doing, you know, freelance work over a radio dial-up internet connection. And so I think that experience coupled with, you know, big agency, then widen and all of that and continuing to stay in that family is probably what prepared me most for then jumping back into the corporate world at client side. Um, it really, I think it took all of that together to, I don't think anyone's really prepared, but to, to make that shift to where I landed in, in the corporate world at Nike. Yeah. I mean, I just know like, for me, uh, as I know, as Jesse will agree, is that um, I, 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 I'm a big fan of yours, obviously. I mean, just from my knowledge of you and getting to meet you during the Nike era, but like oh, how you carried yourself and, and how you just were, you know, there's very few that I truly believe that would always give some time um, and, and advice and be able to kind of just learn the characteristics of a great leader. So for me, it's it's like, yeah, you, what you've done at Nike has been amazing. And now what you're doing with the Liberty Collective is even more amazing, I would say, you know, with. Well, thank you. Part, yeah. Partnering with your sisters and, and really changing um, the mindset. I think for me it, it is just you're changing the mindset and growing and trying to develop amazing leaders. Mm -hmm. um, I know that your mission and vision and position with with the Liberty Collective is definitely building and growing great leaders and modernizing that workplace culture. Mm -hmm. um, and still, you know, your, your core is, you know, the idea of unapologetically female force, right? But I, I think it's changed or you've had a big shift and it's not about just a specific gender per se now, but it's about, you know, evolved leaders and, and right. just changing the conditions of just more diversity and educating uh, all levels of leadership and Right. And I, and I, I'm a big fan of that, obviously, being able yeah. to participate in that. I so. know John, you were part of the some of the dedicated men's sessions that we had. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you a little bit more about that. I, I uh, you know, I get I did not expect to leave my career at Nike. I thought I would be there the rest of my um, day working days because I, you could have so many different careers in one place. And I continue to have so much heart for, for the, the brand of Nike, but mostly the people as well. But I did um, come to this realization that um, there were some hard truths in business culture, you know, that I experienced throughout my career and that I wanted to really earnestly and passionately to try to drive change in. And the jobs that we have um, in a place like Nike are so time consuming and um, take so much of, of your energy and spirit and as rightfully so but I didn't have what I needed to, to be able, the focus I needed to drive the kind of change that I wanted to make. Um, and it was partly based on what I experienced over 30 years in the business, but also what I thought could be true. And, and so I made the decision to leave. Um, and, uh, and again, it was based on some challenges that I personally had that I saw, but it was about trying to drive constructive, collaborative, but really urgent change. Um, and it started with this real passion 
based on the experience that I had had that resonated the most deeply at Nike, which was to help launch Nike Women. And that was about the brand dimension that we added and, of course, the, the business opportunity there. But really, it was about leading a team of people, men and women, around the call of um, this, this brand of Nike Women that we launched that was so powerful for me. And it wasn't just doing that from Beaverton, Oregon. It was traveling the world and connecting with teams on the ground. Um, specifically in territory where, yes, it was about the consumer and and connecting through sport and and tapping human potential through sport, but in particular in you know markets like Russia or China, which I had a specific experience in um, Brazil, women and sport and and helping to unlock they had it in, inside already, but like how to unlock opportunity was life changing, but also the teams of people that I helped lead is where I really found my fire um, burning the brightest. And so I took that to real heart when I made the decision to leave my career and do something different. And and it was initially this real drive that continues um, to change the game when it comes to women leaders and in the opportunities that they have, the investment we make, the growth potential, um, because I just see it as so untapped for, for all of us. But as I came into this work, what I really poignantly began to understand, and then as I recalled, knew from my past, that if we don't create different conditions that we're working in, um, that won't be successful. You actually have to change and shift the norms of leadership to allow, um, I believe, and foster that growth. And as I've done this work, I understand this also should be for men, right? Human-centered leadership approach should be for everyone. And then that is part of the diversity perspective um, in including, by the way, a very firm commitment to intersectional um, values and investments when we're making these shifts. We can't make it about gender. We have to make it about diversity in all its forms, and then we will start to truly make a shift. So that's how my work has changed at the Liberty Collective, um, and I think in a really big way. So at the LC, it's about, yes, growing great leaders, but how do we together work to change what we think of as lead great leadership? How do we change the norms? How do we show up? How do we model, reward, celebrate leaders in a much more rich, diverse perspective than we do today? That's that's the work that's ahead of us and that we're doing right now. Yeah, I, so, I love that. So, so Carrie, <laughs> I wanna just kind of starting it with Nike, just as mm -hmm. just the kind of most recent sort of corporate experience as you're navigating these different roles that you've had within the within the company and then coming into leadership roles within the company what was that what was the allyship that you had with other women leaders within the company were there any mentors that you had in some of your earlier roles within the company that had experienced you know certain you know certain challenges with being a, a woman at nike that you were able to pull from because that's one thing i've been really curious around just sort of the evolution of um nike's sort of focus on you know more female uh leadership you know roles right. and how and how that's developed over the years because it, it it definitely has had through its history some challenges with with having women in leadership roles and i'm just kind of curious if like you experienced any sort of mentorship earlier on in your career that kind of helped drive you along that process and kind of empowered you through along that journey? That's a great question. I think it very well points to even the opportunity that I'm, I'm carving out ahead, which is, I think we, and I'm not just talking Nike specific, I think across, you know, our industry, across business culture, um, we, we have certain value systems. And I think the mistake, if you will, we've been making is that we are, um, trying to 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 change uh the i guess the you know the calculus of you know diversity and leadership positions but do that within the realm that we're all you know we've been working within and i don't think that's the right answer and frankly that's what i experienced right when i looked up and around me it was some pretty incredible women but they were all you know aspiring to the leadership dynamics that were considered, you know, successful or considered, you know, it's where how power was held. And as I looked at that, I first of all didn't 
want to necessarily aspire to that myself, but I also, you know, felt that we could do better and that that that's a very diminishing version of, of what could be. And then could we actually, you know, men, women, all of us look at it. Can we, can we just sort of say it's not a, a zero sum game? How do we open it up and be work with an abundance much more than this sort of scarcity model that I think drives much of business culture today? We can, we can without, you know, risk of being naive because there is power structures that do exist and there are hierarchies and all those things that you have to navigate when you work in the world, you know, in the industry today, I think we can sort of make a pretty big shift and say, well, what if we approached it in a whole different way? Um, so, you know, to answer your question, I was disappointed a lot in terms of, of what was around me and, and it was hard. And I heard that a lot from, from many women that I connected with, like, what am I looking up to here? How do I mm -hmm. do this and stay rooted in who I am? And, you know, I had a personal, uh, you know, challenge myself when it came to my health and balance. I'm a cancer survivor and I had to give up a lot to be a mom and a working mom and, you know, have a successful career. And I, it was part of my passion is how do we how do we not settle for that, right? And how do we not put additional burden on women to change to fit into what is, you know, considered, um, you know, successful leadership, there, there should be a different and better way for all of us. And that's the human centered part, right? So that was much more, it was less of what I saw and aspired to and, and more about what I wanted to see um, and what I felt could be possible. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it, it's like you, you, you are making the change. And I see that with the LC and um, just, you know, how you want to be, I think, genuine and adaptive and authentic for other leaders to learn. And I'd love to get your perspective on like leadership today. Like a lot of brands are saying, yeah, we want, you know, diversity. We want to educate. We want to invest. But, you know, I, I think there's a kind of a, a history tells itself is that a lot of companies say that, but then do they follow through? And I'd love your perspective on that, because I think today more than ever leadership is so key and, and being educated and educate giving that education but i think mm -hmm. it's it's more important than anything and I, i'd love your perspective on that kind of topic for other brands or what you've seen or have you seen changes yeah. have you not i mean is it lip service in another word or, or yeah. what are you seeing well i mean it has to be said we're in a time like no other right it started the you know we, we the the big shift and I call it, I guess, an awakening of the Me Too movement now with a, a strong, the strife that surrounds racial justice right now, you know, particularly in, in the United States, but um, clearly around the world, um, Black Lives Matter and the movement that's happening. This is so important and we cannot let this moment pass. It is time, finally. I mean, I've been part of diversity and inclusion training for years, right? But has it made the shift? I don't think that we actually have. And I think... Um, I'm sure you all have been part of it. You know, you go through, you know, quarterly training or whatever it might be. And it doesn't mean that it's not important or the company's not taking it seriously or you're not. But the, the pace and the intensity of the world today in business, it doesn't take hold. Right. And and so I think we have to do so much more than that and so much better than that. I mean, I can give you so many examples of my past where if I went back today, I would do it differently. I mean, including hiring people, like I would fail searches now that before I'd be like, well, you know, this is the talent pool. This is the best candidate I have out of the pool I have. Are they, you know, do they um, bring as diverse perspectives um, as I'd like, whether it's, um, you know, cultural background or gender or, um, you know, neurodiversity, whatever it might be. And it maybe they, more times than not, they didn't. And I would say, well, we're in a time-based crunch. we got to hire somebody. Let's go with the best candidate. And today I would say, no, we failed that search. Let's go back and do better because it's not enough to say that the pool, you know, isn't what you want it to be. Then create the pool <laughs> and create, it's like building a sports team, right? Like let's start from, from that. Let's, let's invest um, short and long-term to create the right candidate base and invest in in the leaders that we want. And that's a very different perspective than, than you know, I think we are all given permission to have. Um, so it's, you know, it's things like that. I just think we have to 
take a step back and say, it's not about just adding, you know, and hitting some quotient um, to, to make us feel good about that we're diverse. It's about fundamentally pulling the curtain back and saying, are we creating a culture that is not a monoculture? Are we, are we welcoming, embracing, fostering, and actively changing the culture ourselves so that we can, you know, invite and then create success around different perspectives? That's what, where I think we fall short. And, and it is um, a responsibility. You have to take the power and the privilege that you have and put it to work. You can't retreat for it from it. You can't just say, well, I've done some training or I've read some great anti-racist books. No, get in the game and start changing it. Right. And that's, that's the piece that I think um, because people are afraid or they're not sure they're going to do the right thing, or frankly, they're just in a hurry to meet the next quarterly earnings call or whatever it might be. There is just, you got to slow the world down and do it, you know? And that's, that's the piece that I'm really passionate about helping um, on our end. I mean, we don't do equity work. There's so many incredible resources out there that do. We always say start there, but we do the work of helping teams and organizations and individuals change the terrain that they're working within, right? So that we can create more success and, and change in the direction that we want to faster, right? We can't wait for a couple generations for that. It has to be now. Yeah. So Carrie, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't, I know that there's probably a lot of intricacy into the work that you're doing and how it's evolved, but can you speak just a little bit to how it's evolved and, and how, because I mean, I think, you know, you, it seems like as you're gathering this information and you're speaking to people and you're kind of starting to kind of unravel how a lot of these things become systematic within organizations, mm -hmm. um, you are also kind of like changing your approach and potentially the curriculum that you guys are kind of bringing to the table with these companies. Can you speak to a little bit of that journey and how you developed the curriculum that you guys are leveraging today? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. I mean, there's, there's stories within stories in this. And it started with the story of just committing um, my own resources and time um, to to go on the road and talk to people. And it's something that I learned um, very well, um, you know, at Nike is you have to actually listen and you have to be willing to be changed by what you hear. And that's what we did. So I uh, am lucky in that I had, um, you know, had experience in many uh, international cities and I wasn't satisfied um, to just sit in Portland, Oregon and serve what I consider sort of the women's wellness market, which is women that look like me, right? Middle-aged white women with resource. That's not the work I want to do. It's important to, to welcome that segment into what the work that we do, because there's a lot of need there, but wow, we need to and can do so much better than that. So I wanted to continue um, my commitment to stay global and multicultural in my work um, and again, take the privilege I have and, and put it to work, right? And, and it's not about me and centering me or the Liberty Club. It's about centering it on all these incredible voices um, and talents around the world. So we did just that. We went to 15 cities, 11 countries, and just held these listening circles with, um, it started just women and then ultimately groups of men and then ultimately some dual gender groups of just saying a very simple question, what makes a great leader? And we did that in the form of, tell us a story about a great leader in your life. And sometimes they were people in business or peers or people they had worked for. A lot of times it was, you know, a, a coach or it was a parent or a grandparent. And those were the stories that ultimately, um, first of all, became, you know, the fire in my belly to do this work. I actually woke up about nine months in, in a hotel in New York and I just sat up and I was, I said, this, this is a burden because I have all of this incredible um, these, these hearts and these minds I'm sort of holding with their desire for something to change. And, and for, frankly, it was a lot of hope about where things could go, but, but a lot of urgency in that. And so I ended up sort of in my head calling it this beautiful burden because um, I needed to take the time to honor those stories. And so um, we did just that. We took another year to distill the qualitative and quantitative 
uh, feedback that we had heard in, in this research, that this primary research we had done. And, you know, it's certainly not statistically sound, but there's some really powerful insights that we learned. And one of the things that we did was we distilled all of it into basically vocabulary and attributes of leadership. And we have now um, created this learning construct around what we call evolved leadership. So we have 12, they're not distinct because it bleeds across, but very specific attributes of leadership. So things like trust or listening or vulnerability. These are qualities of leadership that oftentimes were not even welcomed, but you needed to explain, right? So um, we have, we, what we heard, and again, this is, was my belief before, um, but through, through the, the voices of so many people we connected with, they gave us the vision of how to go forward, which was, this is what we want to see. And it really was centered on empathy, right? Let's have more empathetic leaders. Let's, let's create more transparent, honest, human-centered businesses and teams. And so we've, we've focused on now on these, on these 12 attributes and we're creating learning modules around them through the power of story, which again, as a brand person, I learned to do. So um, each of these um, attributes, we've, we've created these learning models that are very um, engagement focused. So we have body led learning, for example, we do somatic breathing or we do, um, you know, create listening through yoga, for example, through experts that we bring in. But it's it's really about knitting together thought leaders from the past and present um, and, and opening people's minds about why these attributes are not nice to have, but critical to great leadership today and critical in terms of how you not just survive, but thrive in the current business climate and create a team of people that aren't just showing up because it's a job, but they are there to help and, and partner and team in a way that is incredibly transformative. Um, so that's that's where we're focused now. And it is so, you know, we're doing the work. It's so amazing to see when you can inspire people in an emotional way and then give them the tangible tools in real time as we're practicing together, but then to go back into their teams and practice these things. You know, we're, we're focused right now on a um, an attribute that we call generativity, which is all about um, this this idea of that I am creating the conditions that will help the next generation. So it's really in the, the lens of servant or steward leadership. In my experience in business, that is just not something that is even thought about, right? Like, how do we not just worry about, you know, the next quarter, or even my career? How do we think about creating, much like a sports team would, the, the conditions and the culture to create success for the next generations, right? It's a very different perspective um, and frankly, not very Western perspective, um, but it's the shift that I think we need to make. And what's been the, uh, like, agreed, I mean, what's been the reaction so far with the other leaders that you've worked with to kind of given them those tools to be like, hey, look, you might think you have these tools, but we, as we're doing these steps and, and doing things that we're learning about ourselves and we're trying to educate, like, there's something missing and you didn't realize it. I mean, what, what's been the verdict or, or, or the reaction so far? It has, been, has blown me away. I, we have done some incredible work with teams already. Um, we've had to pivot because of COVID, which has been a blessing in itself, an expensive price to pay, albeit, but uh, it's just incredible to see not only how people are take. well, first of all, I've been amazed at how like men, women, doesn't matter, um, wherever you are on that gender spectrum, how welcoming people are to this idea of making a change. Um, and I think people are just ready. Like they, now I don't know if business is ready or, or you know, all leaders are ready, but I'd say people um, are, are wanting to, to create some, a different realm of, of what leadership is. And it's just the how. And so as we've introduced, um, we did a really great session um, a few months ago focused on um, bravery, which is thinking about strength in a different way, right? Putting different dimension into what we think of as bravery um, and then listening. And just these, you know, sort of what we all think of as pretty simple concepts, um, when you put the right understanding around it and then to your question, what we did is um, sort of space it out over like a dose of this once a week 
you're able to go back into your Zoom meetings, your family, frankly, a lot of this goes well beyond just your, your business life into life life and put it to work and learn and try it. And we have heard just incredible um, traction from people of like, wow, I'm, I'm seeing now that this could have really big impact um, and something that seems so small can actually create a big change for myself, but also for the people around me. And so that's been really heartening to see um, a, a really profound impact um, and something that for me seems pretty simple, but it's also, I think that idea of slowing people down a little bit to say, we're going to focus on something and we're going to do it together. Um, we do it in small groups of nine to 12 and build this trust in this case over zoom that I didn't even think was possible. So that's been, people are really wanting community and connection. And they're also desperate for some way to make sense of all the information that's out there. There's no lack of information on evolved leadership that's out there. It's how do you, how do I make sense of it for myself? And how do I create some kind of arc of growth? Like that's the part that's just tough because there's so much out there. How do you even start, you know? And so I, I think it's a big part of our success is we're, we're orchestrating and curating information in a way that people can grasp, they can internalize, and then can actually put to work immediately to then create a different reality. That's that's growth and that's learning. And, and so it has been a real change for me to shift from this idea of like pitching and reporting to like teaching and learning myself. That's a very different way to show up as a leader. And it's been really refreshing for me. I've, I've grown so much. Yeah, I mean, for me, participating um, in the Liberty Collective myself in January before the whole COVID thing, like, I, I really appreciated the, the group of men that I was with, kind of hearing different perspectives of what they described as leadership. But with those different perspectives, it all came into like, there was a commonality. And I was really surprised, like everything was, like you said, empathetic leader, listener, adaptive, willing to change, make the change. And I was just like blown yeah. away. And, and, and it really opened my eyes personally and saying, okay, like you said, people are here ready for change. So, yeah. yeah. When you create a safe space and you allow people to let their guard down a little bit, it's amazing what comes up. Like people want to drive this, right? And I'm not excusing what is the inexcusable, which is, you know, systems of, you know, oppression or, or power that are not healthy, but there is an upswell with the people of, of a desire and a demand for change that I think we have to honor right now. It's here. What are we going to do about it? Right? Like, let's put that to work. And that's what in that session, John, that you were in, um, it was so powerful to see. And, and the answers are right in front of us, right? It's with each other, but we have to allow ourselves um, the energy and, and frankly, get a little bit vulnerable <laughs> to be able to make that happen, right? And give up some things. We have to be willing to give up our own power, our own uh, privilege, our own comfort um, to be able to drive change. Are we ready to do that? That's what this is gonna take, you know? Yeah. Um, and and so I, I'm really heartened. I see so much goodness out there. It's just how do we, how do we give it a channel and then start to fan that flame? Awesome, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just really interesting because you use the, the word vulnerability. And I think, you know, obviously globally, I think everybody's in the most vulnerable state that they've ever been in their entire lives. Right. Uh, and so it's just this perfect moment where you have all these like social movements happening, coupled with a pandemic. And everybody's just like, how do we how do we move on? How do we get through this? How do we do this better? And so I think leaders are in this position where they're having to pivot, you know, what working completely remotely. And then they have this opportunity to kind of look in the mirror and figure out like, hey, is my company running the way it should be? Am I leading the way I should be? And so you've got this opportunity where people have their guard down, they're vulnerable, and you have this moment to affect change. And it's kind of this perfect sort of moment for that, it seems like. It is. It's, it's so interesting that you say that. I mean, one of the things that we do is um, pull together perspectives from thought leaders, and they may be people that are no longer with us, poets like John Donahue, or um, a current incredible person in social justice, which is Adrienne Marie Brown, who wrote this amazing book called Emergent Strategy, or Ursula Quinn, 
you know, an incredible science fiction writer. We, we take these people that have these ideas about really the human psychology and, and how to, how to drive change. Um, you know, you talk about vulnerability, of course, Brene Brown is one of the most famous vulnerability researchers out there and, um, and not to, you know, um, be derivative of her work, but we've studied lots of things in the vulnerability space. And one of the things I came to understand from her is that to, to get back to your, your point, Jesse, is actually we think that vulnerability comes after we trust. But what they have found, what she has found in her research, is that trust actually follows vulnerability. So as a leader in any space, if you can comfortably and and um, appropriately show vulnerability, then trust can grow, right? And so I would say it's the same in the state of the world right now. We're incredibly vulnerable. And and by the way, welcome to the party because lots of people in the world, um, especially in this country that we're in, have been vulnerable for a long time. So mm-hmm. that's that, like, let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable. But can we honor that moment of vulnerability to start to build trust and start to drive change. I think you've hit exactly on it. And that's part of what we try to do is like, let's create those conditions to then allow a strengthening together to then do this hard work together, right? And that, and we see it every day. We saw it in every listening session we had, right? It's the minute somebody is a little bit more vulnerable, oftentimes I'd start that storytelling, but it would, would happen in this ripple, then all of a sudden it is that safe place, John, you saw it in the session you were in, where we can kind of hold each other in that hour and a half or two and a half hours and begin to drive understanding together. And that, that it's just incredible when it happens. And what is so sad to me in the decades of work I did is how rarely we allowed for that in business. And isn't that what we should be striving for, right? If we want to do our best work and have the best quality of lives, we live our lives together in the workplace, but we just don't, it's it's just smothered, right? With so many things that are just part of the business world, but we can do better, you know, we can do that together. I think that, you know, you talk about how once you've presented these ideas, it's easy for people to grasp. And how much of that do you think is it just, a lot of the things that you're talking about is just technically human nature and being good people and being empathetic to what other people are going through, being interested in what other people are experiencing. Um, you've obviously, you know, empathy is a huge part of th- that focus. And that's something that John and I talk about a lot. Um, I mean, these are really, I, I'm not trying to minimize, yeah. obviously, the work that you guys are doing, yeah. but it, it really is just like, how do you just kind of are breaking people down to understand like these are just you know these are qualities of of being a good engaged in a, you know empathetic person human being right these are yeah. human qualities i know you know it's it's an interesting thing um and i might go on a little tangent if you allow me it i first of all yes i mean i, I heard i think david white who's an amazing poet and writer had this he uh, if you guys follow krista tippett on being this amazing podcast mm-hmm. um they, she did an interview and he said that um, we don't have the right vocabulary in business um, and, and to understand where we need to go. And I would agree with him completely. Like I did, he, I think he wrote a book called um, The Heart Aroused and it's all about changing leadership. And, and my perspective is we, ha- you know, how many McKenzie like things have I been a part of or you know, roll in the next quarterly platform, like we need to open our minds in different ways. And so that for me was a big calling to like, not only like allow myself these indulgences of following these writers that, you know, some people might say they have no place in business. Oh my gosh, they should be right in the center of this conversation. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so I think they are very fundamental human um, perspectives, but I don't think that in business, you know, it has been very, um, it, it's been, uh, well, you know, dare I say, very masculine um, in terms of the qualities. And when I say feminine and masculine, I don't mean male and female, right? The feminine qualities of leadership, the things that I'm talking about, right? Um, you know, dimensions of passion or um, buildership, or, you know, these are things that have not been fostered and um, celebrated. And and so we've become... Um, the qualities of leadership that are important, things like being assertive or strategic or strength in the, the typical ways that we would see it, 
um, are have have really veered into this place of dominance, and we we are not allowing ourselves in business to open up and welcome in these other qualities. And you know, I think it's just the right thing to do as humans. But if you look at the economy today, and it's a relationship economy, especially in the work that we're all used to doing in terms of consumer marketing, it is about this, right? So of course we should welcome this in. Um, it's just it's fundamental to how we should we should go forward. Um, but but it is not something that um, I think is and, and I think that to answer your question, I think that's why we've had the kind of resonance that we have. Um, and I've been so excited that it's not just women that want this. Right. Like we are we are keening for this quality in our workplaces and building teams like this. Um, it's fundamental to who we are. And as we, um, you know, lose community and connection and in our families, you know, we're, we're here raising families by ourselves now. It didn't used to be that way. I think work is the place that we find connection. And when you're when you're seeking that connection, you bond in so many different ways. And yet leadership and what we what we you know as we look up and and continue to grow in our careers we start to see a diminishing amount of that at the top if you will in terms of power and how it's held it's really disappointing it's like isn't that something we should all want more of not less of but it has to start with a very different approach to power and business and success right that's that's where it has to start yeah i i agree with you i i i feel like even in my career um, or even our careers, like I, I've always wanted to see change and it, it's just been so hard. And I feel like, um, you know, like you said, at the very top, it's, it's like they speak about it and, you know, they try to try to fix it, but it's always, it's just so much harder to do than say sometimes. And I'm just like, I'm always thinking to myself, what can I do to, to make those mm -hmm. changes and how, how can I help to evolve those changes and, and, um, you know, with what you're doing with the Liberty Collective and your experiences prior, you know, with Nike and Wyden, I just think um, you're doing amazing first step for everybody to just understand like change is needed. And I'm fully on board. Like I said, I'm a big fan, Carrie, always. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, it takes, I mean, that's, that's, I've been so just blown away and so pleased um, and, and honored with, the connections that, I mean, you do realize when you, when you jump out of a 30 year career, you're like, Whoa, what did I just do? And then what you realize it's, it's, I have this sort of way of thinking about like what you take with you and what you take with you is not, you know, a stack of decks a mile high that you can look back on and say, I did that work. I, you know, I accomplished that thing. Um, it's not even really a networking thing or, you know, in terms of, of connections, if you want to make it more transactional or a list of achievements, right? It's, it's about, um, you know, how, how you left it. How, what, how did you show up? Um, and I have been so honored by the, just frankly, like goodwill that just continues to circle back to me. And as I've, you know, had the resolve and the, the push for myself to ask for help, um, something that, you know, I don't think in today's world we often do or feel comfortable doing, it's been amazing to see the response. So every single person out of the hundreds and hundreds that we talked to didn't come to me from some recruitment agency or paying people. It came through me calling someone in Tokyo or calling someone in Paris and saying, hey, we've worked together or I know you through this person. Do you have anybody that would want to join us in this conversation about, you know, great leaders? And unbelievably, every single conversation that we had was phenomenal. And we'd show up in some city like London and hold some, you know, a conversation at four o'clock in the afternoon with a group of, you know, 15 people that didn't know each other, had to travel across town to get there. And within about 10 minutes, it would, it would, transpond into this amazing rich connection space um, and it was through the best gift that people gave me which was their connections and so that's where I've really seen the power um, of of and first of all and also I would say like the as I talk to younger people in in the business it's like do not underestimate you know, what you leave behind in terms of how you've shown up, that has huge impact um, and also will follow you, you know, and that's been, that's been incredible for me to experience. 
I think that's that's amazing, and I, I and I'm really interested in in this um, this younger generation of leaders and people who are just kind of getting started. They're getting their first journey into the business world, and you know, obviously, there is a lot of work to be done in some of these companies with leaders who have, you know, long tenures, but it feels like with anything, obviously, in our country and our culture today, like, there's a lot of hope coming out of younger generations. And how have you experienced that in some of the work that you've been doing? Can you can you confirm that for me? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I'm lucky I have a couple I have a little focus group at home because I have an 18 and 20 year old. (laughs) So both both girls who are starting their careers in life in university right now. And so I, I get that feel, but I also do um, a lot of one-on-one. I, it's not, you know, coaching. It's more like mentorship that I offer, and you know, offer some scholarship positions. Um, and and so I do have a bit of a pulse on that right now. And on one hand, I'm so inspired because I think whether it's gender fluidity or higher expectations about what's right. Um, and what should be expected, I think that is coming hard and fast. And if you are running a business and you're not seeing that coming, you better buckle up because the, the stakes are changing. I mean, we're seeing in politics right now, right? That mm-hmm. Some things have to have to change before we, and I think it's gotten a lot harder before it's going to get better. But that's been really inspiring. I do also experience, which I'm sure you do, you both do in the conversations you have with people, is an uh, impatience and a sense of, especially coupled with the fact that we're, in a good way, not tethered to any organization for very long anymore. And we sort of all have side hustles and, you know, that's just kind of the reality of young people today. But I don't think, and you have to go all the way back to like 1990 when I started and spend, you know, a month on a white paper for Nintendo. (laughs) Like, you don't, we don't do that anymore. Right. But there is something about, um, I give the analogy a lot of times for people I'm, I'm mentoring of, like a beautiful tree, right? And and when you when you are, if you're an arborist or just a hack like me, like you have to make, you have to, first of all, you have, have to have a healthy root, root structure. And then you've got, you have to sort of prune to create structure or to create, you know, to create the right sunlight to come in. And, and those are hard decisions to make, but you can't, if you try to be everything, right? And do it with such speed, First of all, you won't, you know, you're not going to create the structure you need and you're not going to create the root structure, which means you might fall over, right? So I think um, it's it's about, you know, getting in touch with yourself with enough, you know, slow down a little bit, have some patience, let things sort of like bubble up a little bit and learn instead of being so ready for the next thing. And that, and that if anything, I think we could offer to younger people coming into, you know, the, the work world or taking the next step, it's that. And 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 I, I can understand in the current business climate, it's pretty hard to be patient because it's scary. It's it's hard to navigate. Um, but I think if you can let trust yourself and trust your path a little bit, um, things will come. And there's things ahead of you you can't even see. You know. So letting letting that um, just sort of materialize and 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 be curious about what could be and start to see the picture yourself instead of just trying to paint the picture. You know, that's the difference, I think. Yeah, I think you said it. Impatient. <laughs> the word impatient is so tough for these younger generations, I would say. I mean, I even for myself, I think I was the same way even when I was just started off. And as I've gotten older, I'll say and as I've learned through very many trials and tribulations, but successes as well. Um, it's that word patient, you know, we just have to go through yeah. it and just, uh, it makes us become so much stronger and, and, and individually just, I think, you know, better at, at, at like the word leader and, um, yeah. you know. Exactly. Carrie, as you're, as the Liberty Collective has continued to evolve and the work that you guys are doing, I mean, just talking about these opportunities to educate younger people. I mean, it's the things that you're talking about to me seem like they should be built into the curriculum at business schools and, you know, Mm -hmm. all types of different educational institutions across the country. Like, how are you trying to get your message out there? Obviously, you have a ton of work that you're doing just directly. Um, Can you talk a little bit about maybe like the future for the Liberty Collective and where you guys are kind of seeing yourself over the next year or so? Yeah, we are really, we're so focused right now. And it's, 
incredible to have this time to really just pour into the curriculum itself. Um, so there's a lot of writing that we're doing around these attributes of learning. So each of these things are these really beautiful, um, engaging stories that we're creating, right, that we, we invite teams into. So we're working on that. But while we do that, we're also we're continuing to listen and we're practicing um, development with teams and individuals. So we have um, a few things ahead of us. We have, a, um, for example, we're going to offer listening in four acts, like a, a month long workshop that's Zoom based. We've, we've, I should mention that we've, we've, what, what ended up being default has now become a fundamental shift in our business model. So we, you know, our work was built around this immersive experiential, cause that's how I know how to, to change minds and hearts um, through the, my career. I learned that. Um, and we have now shifted into this model that is right now Zoom based. Um, which is virtual and it's and but the cool thing is it works it's powerful and it we can connect with people all over the world this way um, and we are so it's about you know anywhere from 90 minutes to two and a half hour sort of workshop style where it's you know um, I facilitate lead these conversations and in sort of plant seeds of ideas um, and through through different ideas, uh, thought leaders, as I mentioned, but it's about the people joining the sessions that really bring it to life, their stories and, and creating um, really rich opportunities to do that and build trust as a little cohort. Um, and so we're, we have seen the power of that and we'll continue with that at least in the next probably year. So we have, you know, for example, a, you know, listening in four acts, a, a month long workshop that will be um, basically one evening a week. We've got a um, very focused um, session around um, anti-racist understanding that I'm not leading, but I'm participating in and just helping to host um, as an example of our commitment. Um, we're doing a youth session where we're talking to high school kids and just hearing what they have to say all over the world about leaders. Um, and then we've got very specific um, invitations to teams and organizations out there that want to um, start to do this work. And we have found in our experience that it works best that you have a team that commits together. Um, and they don't have to be a team that all works together just in, in terms of part of an organization that can kind of be um, become a community within a, a team that starts to understand these concepts and then put them to work. And that is um, an example of when I say small ripples lead to big waves. It's a way to create a wave within your company of, of understanding and practice that then can grow. So we'll, we'll be doing that with certain companies. Um, and then next year, 2021, we have a whole bunch of stuff lined up. That's pretty cool. Yeah. With small ripples, big waves. I'm going to make a small ripple right now. So any, all the brands that are listening, talk to Carrie, the Liberty collective.com. Check them out. Seriously. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fun. You know, I, I say it and I really mean it. Like we're pretty particular about who we work with because if you're not ready, if you're not enlightened at this opportunity, we're not the right fit for you. You know, you it really has to be like this incredible session we just wrapped recently. You know, it was all levels within the group that were participating. And that is a big shift in terms of what, you know, I, I ran sessions all over the world for my teams that, you know, were known for being really inspiring and, um, moving um, people and, and emotionally connecting and doing great work while we were at it. Um, but I always was, you know, with a great team standing there with me, you know, hosting, right? And when we work with a company, we not just invite, but we expect the leader to be part of the sessions. And, and it breaks down a hierarchy in a way that we've just never experienced before. And so it's really, and what we found is that the leaders are welcoming as much as the team does, right? So you can, when you let your guard down a little bit and stop having to be the person that has all the answers, um, when you're putting your yourself around a concept like this, and, and we typically do it in we try to do it in sets. So trying to take, you know, two of these concepts and put them together over eight weeks, you really can create change. Um, and more than anything, you you create this trust and understanding that then builds um, from that point forward. So it's it's really powerful and it's not a huge lift, you know, it's, it's um, kind of putting a group in our hands and then allowing them to have the focus and the energy to dedicate to it. That's the big ask, you know, but yeah. it's, it's not a huge investment to do it. You just have to like prioritize it, you know? 
for sure. Um, it's pretty amazing to see. Well, I'm going to ask one last question because uh, mm -hmm. we've you've given us so much great insight and, and, and information. Oh, but you. if you could talk to yourself, like if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what kind of advice mm -hmm. would you give yourself um, now? Like if you were going to your younger self, going back. That's a, such a good question. I would tell my younger self to trust my instincts even more. I think that we become uncertain um, because of conditions around us and we usually know the answers. Um, so I think that's really important. And then I think I would tell myself to find what we call sort of tell courage, right? Like to, to speak up in those moments that felt uncertain or wrong. Um, you know, usually hopefully on the behalf of others, right? That, and, and I found myself um, sometimes as, as I look back, I didn't use my voice as much as I should have. Um, and some of that comes just with, you know, experience and confidence and, um, you know, actually having the, the power to do so. But I had that much earlier than I think I even realized and I could have done more. Um, and so that's, I'm tripling down on that now, right? Like I'm not afraid to say, like to speak up when I hear something that I doesn't, isn't right. Um, and to be, not just an ally, but to actually step in and and be somebody that constructively changes a situation or um, a conversation and points it in a better direction, and then says, "Hey, you know, would you like to talk about that more? I think we could we can understand each other more if we have a, a you know more time for a conversation. Let me tell you what my perspective is." And so often I miss those opportunities just because I was running to the next thing. Um, and so I think that would be the biggest thing. And then the other thing I'd say, John, is just to not forget that you have to invest in yourself first. And it is so hard in the work world today, especially I will just say as a working mother, um, and, and you don't have to necessarily have, I think, children to be a working mother, <laughs> All of us, you know, and you can be a father to relate to this, right? Like when you are taking care of so much, um, it is hard to remember to take care of yourself, um, let alone a, a relationship, uh, let alone, you know, you know, a team or your kids. And so that idea of, of holistic balance and wellness and, and that could come in the form of, you know, very specific, you know, body work and care. It can come in the form of giving back. That's when I, my career really changed is when I started to give back my time to things like um, the Oregon Food Bank or Meat Cancer at Nike. My, my life really pivoted when I started to do that, which is ironic because you think you don't have time. You don't think you can carve out another minute. But when you do, suddenly there's more oxygen. There's more room. There's more ability to to help and and give than you even thought possible um and so it's kind of like being a parent when you have one kid you're like how could i possibly have room in my heart for more and you two and you're like oh my gosh it's exponential right it's the same kind of thing um so i think it, it is that idea of if i and and i a lot of this work is built around what i would do to my you know 22 year old self how would i how would i give them some guidance and i have the ability to do that with my kids right now not that they listen but it is, it's an interesting question yeah, for sure. Carrie, mm -hmm. thank you so much for your time yeah. and um, your mentorship to both of us, honestly, within our yeah. careers. And I think we talked about this before we got on that, you know, you were the one that came to mind for first for both of us as somebody that we wanted to talk to. Um, and so just again, thank you so much, because I think we've both learned so much from you in our careers when we were at Nike. And then so much now uh, in this new chapter for you with the Liberty Collective. And we're really so excited about all the work you're doing. And we are very excited to help be advocates um, oh, for that work. That, Jesse. Thank you. Yeah, I, you know, it's, you're too, it's, it's so fun to do this together because you're two examples of what I talked about before. You can get caught up in the machine of your career or the organization you work for. But when it comes down to it, it's people. Um, and, you know, it might have been some 7 p.m. like connection with you in the basement, <laughs> not the basement, the first floor of your office. <laughs> you had this magical world that you would, a production you'd step into. And I knew that I could go in there and have a human conversation and you'd be honest with me and we would just get it down to it and get it done. Right. And, and yeah. 
you probably would have some time in there to at least just like look at each other and say, we're here, we're doing it, you know, um, and you never lost that. It was always amazing to me with all the pulls and pushes that you had. Um, and then John, like, you know, we, we sort of like were this inner planet connection that we passed each other, but um, it shows you that like the power, which you, you do so well of just picking up the phone in today's world, which is texting or, or emailing or, or DMing and just saying, Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. I want to learn more, you know, and, and knowing that even if you don't directly work with somebody, you can orbit and then come back at another time and like then intersect and, and not to give up that opportunity. So I, I feel really um, grateful to you both to have this conversation right now with where we all are in our careers. It's, it's really fun. And it's, um, it's ac actually right. We're right where we need to be, you know? Yeah, couldn't agree absolutely. more. I, 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 like I said, yeah, we're big ambassadors for you, and and we'll continue to, you know, our work will definitely be the work that you're providing because again, we have the same beliefs and values in in regards to who we are and what leadership is. So yes, that's what it takes, and that's what it will take. So that's great to hear. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, KHP. Well, thank you. This is great. Yes, this, thank All you right. so much. Stay tuned and I'll do the same. All right. All right. We'll talk okay. soon. Okay. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.